0: welcome to come along for the ride where we make the world a better place for horses i'm your host tracy malone i was born on the country of the wiradjuri people and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the sanford valley in the northwest of brisbane australia i'd like to acknowledge the Turrible and Yuggera people the traditional custodians of this land on which this podcast is made and where my family and horses live and gather I'd like to recognise their connection to land, water, community, and our sacred animals. I am grateful to Elders, past, present, and emerging, for keeping this sacred land here in Sanford safe and protected throughout many tens of thousands of years. I have great pride to live on country where the oldest known human beings tended to this land. I'm also grateful that you have taken the time to choose this podcast at this very moment. Thank you for being a part of the global change we are making to the welfare and training of horses. If you'd like to support the podcast and all the work that I do, then you can. Just head on over to patreon.com slash come along for the ride podcast and sign up from as little as a cup of coffee a month. You can help me keep this podcast going. There are many tiers that you can choose from. And if everyone who listens gave only $5 a month, it would make a massive positive difference to me. There's a tier in there for small business subscription, just like the one Peter Papp took up from Peter and the Herd. This is the one where your business gets a mention each podcast. Peter works with equine behaviour and trauma recovery and equine communication, human and horse relationship building. Peter has actually had communication with my mare Gypsy, who's the one you see in the podcast picture with me, and he was spot on about everything. So I can highly recommend his work personally. You'll find the links to Peter's work in the show notes. I'd love to say a huge thank you to our new Patreon subscriber, Angie Wentrup. Thank you so much, Angie, for joining the Patreon community to keep the podcast rolling along. It's great to have you here. I'd also like to thank Karen Lord for her one-off PayPal contribution. If you'd also like to do that, a one-off payment, then you're very welcome to. Just get in contact via my website or social media and I'll let you know how to go about it. It's really simple and it's much appreciated. In this episode, I speak with Martin Contreras. Martin trains in Liberty and works with horse owners to build a strong foundation for working with horses and really honing your intuitive skills to build the foundations and levels of communication needed to strengthen the bond with you and your horse. Martin is a great trainer in his own right and he also keeps up his own training. Um, He told me off mic that he's currently working under Steph Vincent to develop his in-hand work so as we talk about his his ever the student of the horse, which is so fantastic and in all the best trainers in my opinion. I was lucky enough to attend one of Martin's clinics in Brisbane about five years ago with my mare Gypsy and he works in such a gentle and intuitive way with horses and it's a true partnership and a beautiful two-way communication so I can advocate his work personally. In this conversation we talk about many things. One of them being what the word liberty really means and I'm so glad we did as it's something I feel that has been a little misused in the horse world and not in a bad way, I, I just I just would like it to have clarity. I don't mind what people are doing out there, I just like the word to have a little bit of clarity around what it really is and um, to be a liberty horse is not just free of tack which is what we speak about. But what I will do now is read to you the definition of liberty from the dictionary. So you've got something to ponder while listening to Martin's story. It means the quality or state of being free, the power to do as one pleases, freedom from physical restraint, Freedom from arbitrary or despotic control. I had to look that one up. A despot means a ruler with absolute power and authority. The positive enjoyment of various privileges and the power of choice. That is from the dictionary under the word liberty. So while you ponder that, sit back and enjoy this conversation. Here is Martin. Martin, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much, Tracy. I'm really excited.
0: Me too. Can you first of all just tell us a little bit about what it is that you do?
1: Well, um, summing it up greatly, you could say I'm a horse trainer and coach specializing in liberty training, more on the definition of of liberty later. but specializing in in Liberty training um, as a foundation for any equestrian activity um, and helping people connect to their horses um, from an intuitive as well as rational um, road
0: fantastic i love it it's um it's something that's calling more and more lately actually is the intuitive side it's really in the last few interesting the the last three or four podcasts it's been a, a definite um focus for a lot of trainers so it's lovely and something that i'm really looking at myself as well so that's amazing how did you start out with horses where did your life begin with horses
1: Well, uh, probably before I began with horses, uh, my family on my mother's side has always been horsey. And um, that's in Colombia in South America, um, where I grew up. And so ever since I can remember, there have been those presences. The smell of horses is one of my earliest memories, I think and it gets triggered with, with grass fed horses. So basically in the, in the hotter months here, that's when they start smelling. I don't know why they, they smell different than they do when they eat hay. And
0: yeah, um, the sweetness of the grass. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. It comes out in the fur somehow. And it's just, yeah. And, and so, uh I was raised in a city, but, um, I think not a month went by where we wouldn't go to one of the family, the family farms. And uh, there was always trail horses there, Criollo trail horses. And, um, the, uh, the thing to do was going out on rides that could prolong, you know, they could go on for hours and hours. Uh, but that was at the beginning, that was the rest of the family because I, Uh, life would have it that I fell off horses a number of times in my my infancy, and I just developed a fear of riding. So they would go out and I would stay in in the paddocks or in the stables, just, you know, just nosing around, um, watching the farrier work, or just uh, being around whichever horses were. around there. And especially in the paddocks uh, that I think was like my first school in body language and in presence because these horses tend to not be what what nowadays I would call fully trained or fully started uh, in the sense that they were horses that you had to either lasso in the paddock or herd them into a corral and then corner them and then throw a rope uh, across their withers that they would you know they would hold their heads up and sometimes even tremble while you were getting the halter on them and then they would tolerate getting the saddle on and then you had a very fiery horse to ride that you could manage with a curb bit but you know uh, in hindsight it's just Gastly, you know, my arms would hurt at the end of a ride,
0: wow and, no wonder you fell off so much
1: <laughs> oh well, yeah, I know i actually I was like no, my my parents had some sense to them, and they they put me on the quieter horses, but uh yes as a rule <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's it was a it's a it's a culture where the focus is on the horses' fire for lack of a better word, yeah, and that is at the expense of of many things that that we would consider um non negotiable you know like welfare psychological welfare of the horse of course as well as physical so um, it was uh like it it was an an experience nonetheless that uh just bonded me with with nature um and with, yes, the feeling, just the, the indescribable feeling of being carried by a horse. Um, just the mechanics of it are, are incredibly powerful. Um, even though at the time, like I said, we, had, we, we were just blind to so many things that there are besides just riding, besides just the physical act of riding that are going on between a horse and a human, even. And so those years went by, uh, I finally um, started riding because my younger sister was beginning to ride and uh, pride beat fear. (laughs) (laughs) And then I eventually went into some dressage and, and jumping, show jumping lessons. And I didn't fit in, but I learned a lot of the mechanics of it.
0: Why do you and think you didn't fit in? It, oh well, um,
1: coming from trail riding and from you know just enjoying horses from, uh, from, an, from, from a from how would you say it from a place of joy, <laughs> a very uninformed mind you, but from from a place of enjoyment and coming to a place of discipline and, um, a very, yes, a, a, a very mechanistic approach to riding, you know, shoulders mm-hmm. back, heels down, et cetera, et cetera. And like a lot of managed tensions. Yeah. And I, and repetitive exercises, I, I bored drilling, you know, and, and this was the, this was the 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 way of teaching at that time um or in that context and i guess it still is in many parts but yeah i also I, I had no competitiveness to me like i i could not care less about ribbons so that um just lasted for a few years and uh, eventually in my teens i gave it up and then there was a big hiatus I went to school, um, I, I studied languages, I majored in French, and, of course, uh, that's why I later became a horse trainer. Yeah,
0: of course. <laughs> doesn't everyone who doesn't yeah. do a horse trainer? <laughs> it's a
1: prerequisite. Everyone knows it. And um, But, well, it did, uh, jokes apart, it did um, inform my training and still does today because there is a syntax to body language, and there's definitely a syntax to to conditioning and to teaching cues and to shaping behaviors. And of course, there, most importantly, there is a syntax to how horses communicate through their body language, through their posturing, through their positioning. And through their attitudes,
0: yeah a lot of times that's all we have, isn't it? They, they can't speak so oh yes they can't yeah, speak I, words as we do we don't have the same language, so we have to look beyond
1: yes we need we, I, I think um, pattern recognition to use a very uh, a very computational term uh, pattern recognition is is, is key um, to anything we want to do with any given horse because there's, uh, because they are doing the same all the time. Mm. They are looking for patterns, they are looking um, for ways of reading the world so that they will be able to be safe and calm basically.
0: And what was it that actually got you back into horses?
1: Well, uh, after I finished my my degree in French, I went into into a number of things, but the the important one was um, mental techniques, mental training techniques for humans. So visualization, relaxation techniques. Mm. And by practicing them, I realized that I had a big pending matter in my own life. And it was like, I had always wanted to be around horses. I needed to be around horses. This is what I came here to do. Uh, So do something about it. And so at, uh, I think it was around 27, I gave myself permission to pursue Uh, a career in horses because I had no idea where to start. Mm. And I started looking uh, into alternative ways of training and uh, started taking courses in, in natural horsemanship. And started delving into that, and that's where I got started in 2007, um, where I moved to uh, to a country town in Colombia, and I started experimenting uh, with horses, and that's yeah, basically that's that's where it started for me.
0: And. Did you automatically become a horse trainer or did you really get in there and, and learn for many years did you have any mentors along the way
1: I not at the very beginning at the very beginning I I realized that most of the people who whom I truly admired were in, in Europe or the United States and um, uh, at first I I just, I simply didn't have the funds. So I started uh, really educating myself through the internet and through empirical practice. And so one of the first uh, people who I really looked to emulate uh, was Klaus Hempfling
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and um, all of his, uh, his communication through a very specific um, body language centered on on the basin, on the hips, and in that small space that he worked at, uh, that he worked in at the time. And um, I very early on realized, well, the less direct pressure you have on a horse, uh, direct as in mechanical pressure, uh, as through a fence or through a rope you know like cornering them against the fence or uh pulling like having direct tension with a rope the more profound the effect seems to be on the horse like you you don't merely get the horse to move in one way or another but you seem to get more than that that's all i knew at the time so i continue to to delve into that and in, in that, like as, as, as a trainer put it out in the sticks where I was at the <laughs> time. And, um, I continued looking and then I came upon the work of Carolyn Resnick. And that was like 2009. And shortly after I came upon her work, uh, I realized that she was looking for a working student. And I really, really loved what I saw of her work because I saw an a senior citizen, senior woman who clearly had um, very, very sparse physical means of movement of her own. And yet she had horses with fire in them but with euphoric fire with the good fire yes yeah and horses who were also caring for her space and, you know being careful around her and that really really struck me so i i said i, I want this i need this i i want to grow old uh, in down this road and So I wrote to her. I figured, you know, I've already got the no. So I figured I I might as well just write and send her a video and uh, application letter. And I was surprised, really surprised to be to that she accepted me as a student. So, yes, it was, um, uh, it was truly, yeah. So so I still can't explain it. Had to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, so I went to, to California for six months and for the first three months I was in a, at a wild horse sanctuary uh, led, led by one of her students. And I had the opportunity to work with wild Mustangs fresh out of the truck fresh out of the BLM pounce or sometimes just out of the, of the range. And that was a big, um, like, I I like to call it a Zen slap or I was awakened from one level to another.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Because I I suddenly realized with, with these horses and with the, sort of work that I was uh, undertaking with them under, under Carolyn's guidance. uh, I realized, okay, I I don't know what a horse is. I thought I did. Now, at least I know I don't. Yeah. And, and I'm still there.
0: Uh, Yeah. I hear you. I totally hear you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so, um, I can, I, I, I did, I had this crash course in sitting because that is the only thing that these Mustangs would allow me to do in their vicinity without freaking out. So um, they would tolerate me just sitting on a, on a stool in the medium sized corral that they were in. It was a family group. And I would just stare into the ground with my cap on, so that they could not see my eyes, because that's the degree of, of of fear that they had of humans. Yeah. And it was great because I could experience firsthand how just being present with your in in the vicinity of your horse can Transcend desensitization habituation uh, designed by us. You know, all those routines that we have come up with for gentling horses or starting horses or taming horses, all of these things that we have come up with, all of these routines and, 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 and schemes and sequencing that we've come up with, you can bypass a lot of them. Just by sitting and giving your horse their time to approach you in their terms, on their terms. And in, it was truly remarkable to uh, experience how um, a couple of these horses went from not even touching my. My, my hand, when I offered it to them, you know, palm down in the most submissive way possible, they would not approach within a foot of it. And then from one day to the next, they would allow me to touch them all over.
0: One day. Wow.
1: Yeah. Well, not in one day, I but after a, sitting, <laughs> yeah. after a week of sitting for a week of sitting
0: was about a week. That's
1: it, with with these horses, yes, it was about a week that the first one uh, just like turned the page, but she turned it from not touching me herself, let alone let me approach her, to letting me uh, brush her all over her body. Wow. With no in-between. Yes?
0: Wow. What was that like? And,
1: well... To, it was one of those um, answers without a question. If you know what I mean, one yeah. one of those um, you could call it intuition and those informations that just come to you and say, "Okay, look at this. This happens. Wow. This is this is how it went. This is how it can go." Yes. Follow so i that opened uh a whole world of possibilities to me because yes nowadays we have the blessing the great fortune of having an increasing amount of science and studies and people practicing and experimenting with many different ways of approaching a horse and the one that i Um, have been pursuing for the past 10 years now has been from this starting point of, all right, let's just sit, be passive, open like a sponge, and receive whatever it is our horse has right then and there. And from that starting point, you can get information that i have not found a shortcut for i have not found a, a better way to receive that information yes. which is it can be anything depending on the horse it's unique to each horse in each moment but when you start from that place of of absolute um abandon abandonment of uh, expectations uh, you 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 just open a great big door for your horse to step through. It's just that you have to give them the time to take that step themselves. I hope I'm making sense.
0: Perfect sense. And and it's the complete difference between you approaching your horse and allowing your horse to approach you.
1: Yes, I, I feel that it's um, it's it's a huge difference in. I also have to um, say that um, one of the things that drew me to this sort of work was um, the feeling, and sadly it's still true, that words in the horse world uh, are being played with in a way that leads to a lot of disinformation, as in so many other aspects of life uh, the horse world is not exempt mm-hmm. and one of those words that i feel has been really misused uh, in the past uh, years has been liberty yes uh, yes yeah, so i i this um this form of liberty training which as far as i know uh, caroline is the first person uh, to have a uh, publicly defined it I guess because she I feel her work from at least from the 1970s she was already defining it in this way and it's to work with a horse in a big enough space that they can move away from the trainer and or the training and that we allow them to move away and only propose interactions to them when they are open to them when they are actually coming to look for them yes and that is much closer to the dictionary definition of liberty to me yes than because what- if you
0: ask a lot of people what it is it's more of working with a horse without tack know, uh-huh. but is yes. that really liberty i love that we're having this conversation
1: yeah, yes, yes, I, I feel it's an important distinction to make because yes, I, I call that working with a loose horse.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: when if if you are if you are conditioning them to perform certain movements, either by working with them in a round yard or in another enclosed space where you are using the fences to shape the horse's movement,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or you it with tack and gradually you removed the tack as you've been able to condition the, the movements. Yes. Well, that's conditioning. That is classical conditioning. That is and not that is what I
0: call 95% of liberty work in the horse world is exactly what you've just said. Not what you actually do, but what you just said, it's conditioning first and then it's release uh, release of tack.
1: Yes. and And I feel that you know, it's, it's got its own merits. Uh, I feel that it's, um, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of skill. I'm not yes, to we put just them need, down. To,
0: we need to change the wording.
1: I, I do feel that at least people need to be aware that uh, there is um, sadly m- more than one uh, interpretation to the word liberty. Yeah. Uh, lately i've been i've been seeing the like freedom based training coming up more and more, and I guess that will be the new the new tag word i 'll have to change the name of my business yes. <laughs> uh, because yes it is important it makes a big difference and, yeah. and in in my view mm, well I have chosen that path because i've seen the immense rewards it brings when you actually do give your horse a choice. And when you start off in the training of a horse or, or incorporate it into uh, an ongoing program uh, to incorporate times where you give your horse the choice to engage in training or not, because that is a big leap for many horse people. It, It sure was for me
0: yeah yeah it's amazing and and like you were saying we're not putting down liberty because god there's people out there who are a thousand times better at horsemanship than me that are doing that form of liberty where they um start with tack and, and go without it's the it's the word and i'm a bit of a wordsmith when it comes to it as well so um so yeah your your form of liberty amazes me and um and you learnt this with carolyn
1: yes i would have to say that she um she has been the, the one great influence in my work. I have since uh, developed many techniques and um, incorporated new things, changed some things. You know, it's methods of application, as they say. But uh, Carolyn is the giant on whose shoulders uh, several of us stand on.
0: Yeah. And it's about making it your own as well, if you were – just doing what Carolyn did, I don't think she would appreciate that. It's, it's more that she gives you this, these gifts and, uh, and you take them and make them your own.
1: Well, yeah, I, I couldn't if, even if I wanted to because this um, this is an art more than a science. Mm. Because, uh, we want to, I, I feel that we want to be aware of the science as much as we can and we want to apply it as much as we can. But when you're with your horse in the moment, uh, to only use your rational brain and like a flow chart of what to do if your horse does A or B, if we only do this, we are missing out on an incredible amount of learning, training, and communication opportunities with our horses and with ourselves, indeed.
0: Can you give an example of how you've used these methods and what you've been able to do with a particular horse?
1: Sure. Um, well, um, when my my ideal mo what I what I've been striving for uh, in the last ten years is to start working on the. As a, as a trainer, mind you, because we always have to take into account the physiological and psychological well-being of the horse on the in the other twenty two hours of the day. Mm-hmm. Yes, because what, whatever work we we want to do, we need to take into account what's going on in the horse's daily life. So that that would be something that we always need to look for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in in the training, if we put that on on the underground, if you will, the foundation for all training should be, how is that horse's daily life? And then we can build the building of training, which we could, we can look at uh, as having three stories, if you will. Mm. So at ground level, you have the emotional aspects of the training. And, the second level is the mental aspects of the training. That is the horse's understanding of the cues. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the third, the top level is the athletic training, which is the horse's physical ability to execute whatever movements we ask of them through the, through the cues that we have taught them. Yes, mm-hmm. But I do find that it's important to look at it in that order because if your horse doesn't have a clear understanding of the cues and you're trying to just develop the athletic aspect of it, you're going to wind up with misunderstandings, unwanted tensions, and uh, probably a a heavier horse. Yes, heavier to the hand or to the leg in Mm -hmm. very, very basic terms. But below that, the most important aspect to me is the emotional development of the horse because at justice with us horses don't understand things well at all if they are overrun with a certain emotion be it fear or arousal or just you know just a joy attack if you will yes that we can't expect of them To understand mentally, just to use a a framework word there, to understand uh, something that we're asking of them if they're overrun by an emotion. And that's where Liberty Training comes in. So that's why I always go back to Liberty, because it's basically a series of interactions that allow me to directly address an emotional imbalance in my horse. So say for example, I have a horse who is too uh, into my space, which is something that happens increasingly nowadays. It used to be that horses were too scared and, you know, there's like a whole generation of horsemen, mostly horsemen, who specialized in like softening, the approach to yeah. horsemanship because horses were overly scared, and I feel that nowadays we are mostly on the other end of the pendulum, on the other side of the pendulum, where horses have, for many people, become um, too like overconfident or over or or have lost a sense of of spatial boundaries. Yeah. So, um, you use uh, asking the sending the horse away with which I, I, I use techniques that I've derived from, from Tai Chi for that, actually, so that the horses become sensitized to our body language, even to our breath. And so we ask the horse to move away, or we even herd them, as horses do, in the paddock. You know, when a horse uh, just asks another horse, like nudges them, nudges them forward to just move forward at a walk, mm-hmm. and they move them around the paddock. That sort of interaction can be helpful uh, when you have a horse who's coming into your space and not heeding your your body language uh, when you're asking them to 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 keep uh, a more prudent distance. Yes, and sometimes what that uncovers is um, a, like a, a resistance from the horse resistance to just move away from you. Yes. And that is a very important aspect to cover because when we have a horse who just does not move away when we ask them to, that can lead easily to safety concern. Yeah. And if we ask to, if we ask them to move away too forcefully, they will, you know, it might just derive in, in a power struggle. From our point of view, from their point of view, it's a different thing, and, and we're still figuring out what that is. <laughs> but uh, but we do know that it's not not nice. You know, it, it doesn't lead to a better place, and it has a lot of risks. So I put a lot of emphasis into teaching people to communicate with our horses in the way which requires the least amount of calories from us. Mm -hmm. the least amount of physical energy from us. So we do a lot of breathing exercises and of moving from our core exercises, which um, they result in a more efficient communication with our horses because they become sensitized to subtle movements that we make. And it also begins to train us as riders right from the ground because, uh, amazingly, I have been constantly finding in the past several years constantly finding more and more parallels between the way we can use our body from the ground to elicit certain movements from our horses and the way we then use it from the from the
0: saddle. Wow. And we've kind of always known that what you do on the ground goes to the saddle, but you, you're mm. saying you literally am, are embodying the same movement.
1: It, yes, very much. So Tracy, it's, um, it's becoming more and more literal
0: mm.
1: <laughs> uh, the more I, I, I look into it. And because I've also, uh, in the last years I've become interested in, uh, in movement like natural movement for humans So, to move in the ways for which we were, for which we evolved to move in. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's one of those amazing parallels that we have with horses in that we have such different looking bodies, but the pieces are all the same. The bones are all the same. And uh, funnily enough, the way we engage our pelvis. To perform certain movements from the ground, again going going back to Tai Chi, is the same way in which we want our horses to engage their pelvis and their abdomen uh, for collection.
0: There you go.
1: So and 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 they seem to read our our pelvis very readily, very immediately. It doesn't seem to be. Um, so much of a cue that we need to translate to them and condition. There seems to be a more immediate communication at that, at that gestural level. Yes. At that physical postural level. Mm. And that's something that I'm very interested in, in Isn't those it, direct communications.
0: So yeah, no, you're right. Isn't it extraordinary that there's a being that literally will Take on your physicality in a way. As 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 they're carrying you, they will they will literally take on and respond to every single movement within your hips and pelvis and body and breath and everything. It never ceases to amaze me Mm. that that horses are actually willing to do that.
1: It's well, I think more than willing, I think it's just a tendency that they have that if they're in the right mindset, they can't help but do it. And that's also what I'm that's what I'm pursuing from the liberty starting point, which is to get ourselves in a mindset that is most conducive to that immediate communication with horses. Yes. Mm. It's not a perfect, it's not a hard science at all. It's like I I said it's more of an art, but there are tools, definite tools easy to explain tools and easy to use tools that allow us to you know basically leapfrog our trainer mind and go into that space of direct communication
0: and we also have um, have such fantastic immediate feedback from the mm-hmm. horses as well
1: mm-hmm. yes and and something very important to point out here I have to say is, I don't feel I have any special gifts uh, I I have been working on my antenna if you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, but I don't feel uh, that I have access to this other realm of communication as other people do I just care so much that I do get glimpses increasingly. Yes, but I feel that if you really put the work, you develop the muscles.
0: Mm, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And you have your own horse now that you're just starting. How's that going?
1: Yes, well, that that has been uh, a a very important journey for me uh, as, as a trainer and as a person. Um, because I had, I had, I had put him aside for years. And there were always other things um, in front of it. We've, well, we moved to Australia uh, five years ago. And we, we moved here uh, four months pregnant with our first child. And now we have two boys. And mm-hmm. I guess that, that may sum up
0: yeah putting aside
1: circumstances
0: get in line
1: yeah yes and so tiro always got the dregs of my time so i only felt entitled to sit with him for the longest time i felt that that was the only thing that it was fair for me to do with him Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and um, and then when i when i so it, it also gave me a lot of time to experiment and to become more informed of the of the foundation that i was talking about the physiological and the mental state of your horse in their everyday lives and i'm still working on a lot of things but i've learned a lot of hoof trimming and 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 about nutrition and and so many things that there's there's just a wealth of information out here and luckily in australia there's an increasingly uh, numerous and progressive horse culture that wants to make science-based decisions on these matters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, that's what I was able to give Tiro. But now as a trainer, after, well, basically when isolation started with the whole COVID situation, uh, it was a blessing to have, to finally have the time and the mind space to dedicate to him. And it was very humbling to me because I had hit a wall with him with my own method. And uh, yes. <laughs> Enter
0: he, the horse. <laughs> and, uh,
1: exactly. Yours. <laughs> what's what. The Yes. He was giving me um, not resistance. He was giving me resentment. Mm. Yes. He was giving me pinned ears and, and uh, you know, wrinkled nostrils and stiff, a stiff pole from the ground when I was merely inviting him to walk with me. So he would walk with me, but he would give me the stink eye all the way. Wow. And you know, and, I started to feel like, okay, with my own horse, it's looking like everything that I, uh, have not wanted to be, wanted to be all these years and everything that I've taught people to steer clear from Yes, mm-hmm. I'm all about the years forward and the relaxed disposition. Uh, so I, I felt, okay, well, what can I do? I can't move forward until I sort this out and I felt obliged because of my work, because of my, you know, of what I thought defined me as a trainer. I thought, no, I need to sort this out from the inside out. So I need to sit more and sit more and sit more. Boy, he did not appreciate that. He wanted action. Yeah. He needed to work from the outside in. <laughs> so I finally, uh, during quarantine, I said, well, what, you know, I. Uh, i because of the change in circumstances for so many people, my workload was greatly lightened uh in those months and so i said well let's let's just experiment let's just let let go of 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 the constraints that I had put myself in trying to focus on this way of working and I started to work with a student I took her on as my my teacher uh, for work in hand, and through that, it just flowed into written work, and um, and actually, I, I would say it flowed into written work. But I am still just delving deeper and deeper into the in hand work and the the classical work at the walk mostly, because it's just fascinating, and it's fascinating how done a certain way how how it can positively influence the um, emotional well-being of, uh, of a horse i hope that answer had some structure to it
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely it's it's got me um thinking i um yeah it's it's very interesting back when i worked in equine therapy the people who came for therapy were giving me exactly what i needed as well so all the advice i was giving them was what i needed to hear at Mm -hmm. the same Mm -hmm. time it was kind of that Mm -hmm. beautiful thing and it's happening Mm -hmm. now so i am really interested um, because i have a horse that i believe wants to work from the inside out as well and i have a couple of friends who from the
1: outside in you mean
0: Yeah. From the outside. Sorry. Yes. The outside Mm in. So Mm -hmm. I want you to explain that to me a little bit more. I I really need more information on that because Mm -hmm. personally I need it right now. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, remember that uh, building metaphor that I described before where the emotional aspect is at the bottom and then the mental aspect in the middle and the athletic aspect on top. Yes. Well, for obvious reasons, I hope for obvious reasons, but you want your you want your emotional, the emotional aspect of your horse to be as broad and as solid as possible. So that you can build your building up pyramid-like, the most solid structure possible.
0: Yes. yes.
1: If you go too quickly into the physical, the athletic aspect, you might have a top heavy building you mm. might wind up with a top heavy building and and that's that, what i observe. it
0: falls apart at at any kind of real pressure will fall apart
1: yes yeah, or, or yes like
0: if you or, don't lay the or, or that routinely
1: purpose. or that routinely falters and we get used to that uh to that teetering structure you know yep and so many horse people and myself included in past years we we, we become accustomed to that and uh, So um, where I'm going with the inside-out is that the outside-in versus the inside-out means simply that you use a physical activity with your horse in order to to address an emotional aspect. So you are using that physical activity, but you might not be focusing on the physical qualities of that activity or the athletic qualities of that activity, but on the emotional effects that that activity is having on your horse. And so you administer uh, the duration and the way in which you execute that activity with the emotional aspects in mind as a first priority. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. For example, I work excellently with stories.
1: Yes. So for example, um, I, well, the, the, the light bulb moment that I had was when I had to work with one of uh, my students' horses who had trouble trailer loading Mm -hmm. and I realized that he he was very afraid of uh, of the um, of the tailgate of the ramp, especially coming out of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But for all his fear, he was so sure-footed and so methodical in how he placed each foot that it it accelerated the my ability to bring him back down into thinking mode
0: mm-hmm.
1: yes and, and to a place of trust and that's where i b- became curious like okay what what have you been doing with this horse in, in groundwork and she said oh we've been doing um in-hand work but a, a brand of in-hand work which is coming from a physical therapy standpoint Mm-hmm. Yes. So the the person this horse was doing in in hand work with was addressing it uh, yes. from from that perspective. So from very very subtly cueing small increments of that hind foot coming under towards the opposite uh, front foot in a shoulder in, for example. Yes. Yeah. And with the rib cage rotation and so on. But from a very, very subtle, uh, set of cues. And I saw her working with this horse and it was so, such quiet work. Not, it didn't look at all like athletic conditioning. It looked like physical rehab.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And, and yet the athletic effects of it were visible in this horse, but, what I was interested in, what drew me to it was the emotional and mental effects it had on this horse where he could say, okay, I am really scared of this situation, but I have the, my my proprioception has been enhanced to a point where I can be really careful of where I put my feet, you know, where, where the horse was at a place where I would have expected him to scramble. And he never did. That's what I'm trying to say, I guess. Mm, So that's what brought me into it. And that's what I've been using with Tiro uh, the past several, uh, yeah, the past couple of months now. And uh, that sort of quiet uh, physical work with, in my mind with Tiro in particular, I'm focusing mostly on getting him to a place of years forward. And the, I I don't care so much about the quality of the movement he's giving me, but the quality of his attitude when we are doing this together. Yes.
0: Yeah. That makes me smile.
1: Yeah. I'm glad because yeah, that's, that's how I feel.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's perfect. Isn't it? It brings a whole new um, mindset to how it is. We work with them. I yes,
1: it. I, I guess you could sum it up and it's, it's, well, I always say it's not what you do or what the horse does, but how, from which place they are doing it. So when I'm observing a horse, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to feel, okay, what is, what emotional place is this horse doing this from? Are they boasting and moving flamboyantly or, or are they anxious? Mm -hmm. Yes, because that's the only thing that matters to me. Uh, Or I should say that's the first thing that matters to me. I think we can approach training in the same way. Okay, which tools am I going to use? Yes, but with which priorities? What am I focusing on uh, Mm -hmm. here? Am I focusing on my my horse's physical development? Or am I focusing on their mental understanding of the cue? Or am I really interested in uh, bringing up his confidence yes or their trust in us yes and when we keep that in mind, it helps us frame the whole activity and focus and become more sensitive ourselves to that what we want to work on.
0: I see now how it translates for you so well into saddle.
1: Well, I'm lazy, Tracy. <laughs> <Me> I too. <laughs> like, so I, Efficiency I is the key. <laughs> yes, yes. There's, there's, um, there's a hashtag uh, that uh, would be interesting to follow. There's a concept that I learned from the whole natural movement for humans uh, that I've been practicing in the past several years, and it's called stack your life, which is like the – the virtuous face of multitasking, which Mm -hmm. is, you're not multitasking. You're focusing on one thing you're doing one thing, but you're doing it in such a way that you are reaping beneficial side effects for a number of other things. Yes. So for example, um, when I'm doing my horse's feet, I'm asking him to to lift his feet up himself yeah so I'm focusing on it being easy for me, but yeah. I'm also focusing on him developing his proprioception, and with the front feet in particular, I'm also uh, introducing stretches little by little, but introducing stretches that will eventually help me in the whole liberating the front end uh, when, for when we go into athletic training. Yeah. So I'm keeping all of these things in mind uh, when I'm doing one single action. Like, okay, how many many side effects, beneficial side effects can I derive from this? And that will also inform the way in which I approach it.
0: Yeah. And it's also a way of being as well. So your horse kind of... And understands your intention, and they understand that everything with you is not just simple. It's always for a reason, and there's always a bit of thinking behind it. And and they're probably engaged just by the fact that that's what it is. It's not just a hoof trim.
1: Yes, and one beneficial side effect for the human, because they this may sound just listening to myself, it may sound overwhelming. You know, like, oh, are you thinking of all these things? Mm. But when I'm in there, and because I'm focusing primarily on the emotional aspects and I'll, I'll go into that in in a moment because I'm I'm focusing primarily on the emotional aspects because I find that the more I focus on the emotions of my horse, the more I tend to balance them Mm -hmm. Yes, to come back to a center and to bring them, you know, inspiring them to come back to a center. Of course this means that I have to do this with
0: myself first. That's what I was and, gonna say. Is that done with your body, through your breathing, through your
1: oh, breathing? through your being mm. in the moment. Yes, that that's why at liberty we start sitting down and letting our horse take the first step, because the the first thing we have to gain control of is ourselves,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: our our minds. And yes, breathing is a big part of it. It's the the single biggest physical action that we want to examine and develop when when we want to address horses, but it's with the with the goal of coming to an emotional center with them yes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the what I have found happens in, in in an overwhelming number of cases is that when you really go deep into uh, nurturing fostering um an emotional bond with your horse an emotionally balanced bond with your horse the less training you have to do further down the road no. because they just get used to understanding you and to you know they get to, they get tuned into not just you i have to say also this they generalize and they 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 tend to get tuned into humans in general, like I say, most horses. Yeah.
0: What a gift! That's amazing.
1: Well, it it is. I feel very fortunate to have come across this information and to be able to share it with more and more people because it is. It is very. It is also a self rewarding process. You know when you, when you get used to doing things in in this way and, and, and you start looking at the little nuances in every little thing you do, you know, like every time you put the halter on, you just look for the little gestures your horse makes, whether they're actively participating in you putting the halter on or whether they're tolerating you putting the halter on. You know, when you go into those nuances, you sensitize yourself and every day, Activities with your horse just become enriched for you and for them.
0: Because it's communication. It's two way then, isn't it? When you're really listening, they really go, oh, you are hearing me.
1: Yes.
0: Mm. So beautiful. And you're based in Brisbane now, Australia. Do you work with people online as well?
1: Yes, I have been for think it's been like five years since I've been doing it uh I uh, notably with people uh, in Colombia
0: mm-hmm.
1: where I try to go back to every year this year we had to cancel
0: yeah good mm-hmm. luck with when mm-hmm. that'll be next <laughs> Don't yes. Yeah. Soon.
1: <laughs> yes so actually yes online activity has gone up um with isolation because uh well uh Colombia has not been as um, as fortunate or, you know, they, they haven't been able, well, many countries haven't been able to deal with this as they have in Australia. So there's many cooped up horse people out mm. there. And yeah. uh, I've been fortunate to, to be able to accompany people in their journeys with that online.
0: Wonderful. And do you have a website? I know I'll put all the links in the show notes to where people can contact you, but we'll tell them as well.
1: Yes, I the the most direct way to find me these days is uh, via Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: so yes, it's uh, Martin Martin Contreras horsemanship, and uh, the um, online lessons are really straightforward, really simple. It's just a, a, sh- a short video with where you're at with your horse, and then I analyze it. Uh, send you back a text where I break it down, and uh, you know this minute, this second, this happened, and then we have a a call via Skype or Zoom, or whichever you know now
0: <laughs> you yeah, name it so many, and, yeah.
1: yes and and we just um, go further into uh, what we need to analyze there and uh, and what we need to do moving forward. And it's great because people can work with their horse in their time, in their own time, but also in that horse's own context. And even here in Brisbane, I like working with uh, horses in their context, in their home that That's a wonderful thing uh, about Australia, where people uh, in huge numbers have their horses at their home. Mm. so there's just all these everyday things, everyday tweaks that they can um, apply that will positively affect their relationship with their horse. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm a lot into that.
0: Wonderful. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Martin. But uh, most of all, thanks for being such a, um, a a visionary and really studying the horse as you do and and being a student of the horse and bringing us these findings. And, uh, and I agree with you. I don't think you're there yet because I don't think any of us are. I think just as you think you grasp the horse, something changes again and I don't think we're done yet. So, um, but thank you for everything that you do for horses all over the world.
1: Thank you so much Tracy and yes of all those titles I'm uh, the proudest of a student. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that's that's a mindset that I that I hope to cultivate all of my
0: life because
1: yeah. it, it's, it's being alive.
0: It is. And, and I believe that's our greatest trainers is the people who are the student of the horse who can teach us. Cause I believe they're here to tell us something amazing. And that's kind of the, the purpose of this podcast is to find the people who are listening and to give us the messages that are coming through. Cause I, I think they're here to do something really special for us all.
1: That is true. Yes. And I really want to thank you, Tracy, for creating this space Uh, for us to support each other and to find different viewpoints, which I found really enriching in your your other episodes, um, to listen to people from different walks of life, different approaches. And I think that in in this context today where there's a lot of judgment, where there's a lot of one-upmanship regarding, well, Regarding our subject, horse training and well-intentioned horse training and sensible and sensitive horse training, I think a lot of energy is wasted on criticizing oftentimes. And it's important now more than ever to find common ground and also to correct our ideas if they need to be changed.
0: Yeah, and um, it's one of my kind of big dreams and what I see happening in the future somehow is I'm going to do some kind of symposium and I know the list of people that I want in the room and they're all amazing trainers in their own right and they'll all disagree with each other in some way and that's where I believe the magic will happen, by putting those people in a room together and going, we all love the same thing and we all disagree on this topic. Let's talk about it and see where that takes us. I, I get really excited at the prospect of that because I believe it's in in the disagreement is where the magic is going to be found because I think there's a commonality there and everyone's stuck on the technique of how they do it instead of what it's trying to show us.
1: Yes I well I, I think that's a that's a great initiative. I I feel we're we're all here well one of the reasons we're here is because we want to give the horse a voice.
0: Yeah.
1: I think it's important to listen to one another's voices. Yeah. And and support us in that way. And uh, just to enrich the information and the message. And I, I think, well, yeah, that, that, that sounds super exciting what you just
0: I, know. I don't know. I don't have a clue of how to make it happen, <laughs> Martin. No idea at all. I just see the end point, and it's it's you know it's still bubbling. It's not even a first movement for it yet, and that's probably one mm-hmm. of the first times I've spoken it out loud. But it's just one of those things that it's like I I know that that will be an amazing gift to the world one day, and I will make it happen somehow. And no, I want crazy. to be count
1: on me for whatever it is You're I can in? help with. Yeah, yeah whatever, whatever <laughs> you want, whatever you <laughs> feel I can help with. Uh, please count me in.
0: Definitely, it's uh, anyway. It, I don't know, logistically, like I said, it's, it's not even in the first stages yet. It's still just an idea. But I've, I've seen what, what I've sadly seen, even though I have this podcast and I'm bringing different people, they have a similar intention and heart in what they're doing. Um, but on social media forums, there is a lot of judgment and disagreeing across the different techniques of all these people that I'm interviewing. And I think people are losing the point. Um, that I think it's, yes the technique is is not it it's not it you know you can have your technique but it's not the answer you know the answer is is, is in the listening and the,
1: yeah yes but I, I yeah I totally agree with that I think that if we are to be the best students of the horse and, and the best listeners of the horse you know I, I I do think there's there's been this shift now where people have gone From wanting to be horse whisperers to be horse listeners,
0: Mm.
1: and um, I think we should definitely pay more attention to being good listeners to each other, especially to the ones who are also looking for better ways. You know,
0: exactly.
1: (laughs) And I think we've lost. We fight more amongst each other than we do with. You know, with with people who are honestly doing questionable, unconscionable things.
0: Yeah, you
1: know, we we, we trip each other up sometimes. Mm. I find so. Yeah, I, I think that anything that helps shift that um, shift those tendencies or bring a different, eth- how would you call it, bringing a, 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 a different way of interacting.
0: Yeah, and understanding. It's just understanding. And I think we're all, all these people are actually um, heading in the same direction. They're just using a different method to get there. Yes. Mm, Beautiful. Mm. Well.
1: Thank you so much, Tracy. Leave it
0: with us. Thank you, Martin. It's been a pleasure. You too. I'm on a mission to create a community of conscious horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life. This is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses by bringing consciousness to the horse world, please do one of the following. You can go over to our Patreon page at patreon, patreon.com slash come along for the ride podcast and become a subscriber to the show. As Patreon members, you're helping this podcast become a weekly show once again. And remember, any funds that go over the cost of production will go into new and exciting projects that you, as a subscriber, will have a say in. You could also pop over to EdenRiverEquestrian.com and see our range of sustainable, ethical and organic gear for both horses and humans. Remember, 50% of profits go back to helping horses all over the world live a better life. Or you could leave us a review and tell the world why you love this podcast. You can do that through whichever app it is that you're listening now. The best place to do it is through iTunes. They give juice that gives other bits juice that boosts the podcast up. And basically that gets it into more people's ears so that we can make a real difference in the world. You could also share this podcast with a friend. tell everyone you know about it and guide them to an episode that you think they'd really enjoy. All the links you need can be found in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.